All right, as I mentioned earlier, today is our membership celebration, and we are, are basically looking at the heart. It, it lined up. We've been, we've been in a series called Following, and what we've been doing is pulling out of the, the book of Mark, uh, who, who was written by Mark, a friend of Peter, who was an eyewitness to Jesus' life, spent three years with him. Uh, following him, learning how to follow, learning what it, it's all about. He, he passed down to Mark this eyewitness account that we've been digging into. And what we've been doing is we've been pulling out, every time Jesus talked about what it means to follow him, or every time he said there was something important about following him, we've been looking at that and trying to figure out what it means for our lives today as we set out to try to follow him as well. It, it lines up that today is our membership celebration, and we're looking at, really, today, what is the centerpiece of what church life is all about at Church in the Valley. And so we're celebrating membership. If you're a guest or an attender, we're glad you're here, really glad. Uh, today, you'll find out the main reason we exist and the big picture of what we're all about and why we do what we do every week. I was thinking on the way here, it's, it's kind of like every week we have a mini barn raising, you know, setting everything up and getting everything ready for folks to come and worship, for the kids to, to um, get some, some teaching out of the scriptures. So it's like a mini barn raising. Some days are bigger than others. Some days we have medium-sized barn raisings when we have other activities going on, but that's what it's like. We all pitch in together, and there's a reason we do this. There, there's a reason that we're pulling together, and today we're going to look at that. Um, the difference between a church attender and a member could be defined in one word, and it's commitment. And I don't want you, if you're a guest or an attender, I don't want you to feel like you're on the spot at all today. We understand. We want you to take the time to get to know us, to learn to trust us, and make a commitment when and if you're ready. That's, that's the way relationships develop. It's no different than connecting with a church, you've got to figure out if it makes sense to you and if we're a fit for you. So I don't want you to feel, this isn't a subtle jab to the midsection that you need to do something. That's not what this is. But you get a chance to see what we're all about. Members commit to something. They commit to help us accomplish our mission and our vision as a congregation. Every team needs a roster. Super Bowls today. I just realized a couple weeks ago I booked a flight right in the middle of the Super Bowl. That's probably why it was available and it was so cheap. <laughs> but Cindy and I, we have a conference we're going to in Fort Worth this week, and our grandkids happen to be in Fort Worth, every one of them, all two of them. And so we, we are flying today to there during the Super Bowl. You know, what can I say? That's all right. I'd rather see my grandkids a little sooner than wait till after. But at Super Bowl Sunday, both those teams have a roster. Now, the coaches, they know who they have to work with. They're brothers. That's kind of fascinating, isn't it? The brothers are going to go head-to-head -head here. But they know who's on the roster. They know who they can put on defense, offense. They know who's available in order to serve. That's, that's, that's what church membership really, that's one of the key aspects of what it means to be a member of a church. Churches need that same thing. We, we need to know who we can count on, who can, who's in the game, who we can put in the game, and who will pull together to help us accomplish what we're aiming at. 
Our mission as a congregation is to grow as followers of Christ ourselves and be used by Him to help others decide to follow Him as He works through us to, to, to tell others about Himself. He draws, through our congregation, draws people to himself. That's, that's, that's the centerpiece of our mission in, in a shorter statement than we usually use. A big part of our vision is to help start churches and ministries that have the same mission and DNA that we do. That, that's, a big, that's our vision. You know, I, I, would, I would love to see God use us as a congregation, to rim Los Angeles with, with churches that are set on the same mission, that are trying to accomplish the same thing. I, I told Alex recently that I'll probably be dead before that happens, but he's younger, you know, the executive pastor here, Alex Barrett. He needs to carry it on. You know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen as generation after generation begin to fill the area with churches that uh, really set their hearts at helping people find Jesus Christ, discover who he is, and then decide to follow him as well. This is interesting. It's an interesting day to have our membership celebration. Here's a map that I showed you for the very first time at last year's membership celebration. It's, it's a Google map with dots where all our members are, and we, we exist primarily for those who aren't our members, but you can see that there's a cluster in this area, and then there's another cluster of folks in the Alhambra, Monterey Park, Rosemead, San Gabriel area there, and, uh, Montebello, that, that area. There's a cluster of folks there, and this is the last Sunday that we're going to meet all together. Next week, we start our weekly services. So I think it's significant that it's, it's membership celebration, and next week we start weekly services in Alhambra, where we've been working to start a congregation, a, a campus there. Uh, and we did that. We, we've gone to all this trouble to, to, to do this, to be more effective in our mission and in line with our vision of what we sense God's called us to do. We, we've been working toward this launch, and uh, we've been holding monthly services at Mark Keppel High School in Alhambra, and now we're going to go weekly. So this is a significant Sunday to hold this, this time, to look back at why we're doing this, what, what's going on in, in all the shifting and changing and load-bearing that's gone on. This, this is why we're doing it. I, I want to say I really am very grateful for the group that God has pulled together here. Because in a year's time, if you look back, think about all we've done. All the, the change, all the preparation, all the work that we're getting ready to, to, to experience some of the fruit from over these next few months, months as we multiply into two campuses and as we began to hold services at Mark Keppel. Really great day to do that. I want to commend you for your heart to serve. Many, many people, members and attenders, have stepped up to carry the load to make this possible, and I'm very, very grateful for that. I, I commend you all for that. It's been a very unusual, it's an unusual thing for a group of people to, to stare at that much change 
and welcome it because they're committed to the mission and the vision. And, and that's what you've done. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Uh, it's interesting. Alhambra is called the gateway to the San Gabriel Valley. So we, we actually, with the campus in Alhambra, we have uh, services at both ends of the valley because Diamond Bar is on the east end of the valley. So we have both ends of the valley covered with uh, Sunday services. And beginning next week, I wanted to fill you in on how this is going to work. Alex and I are going to be the ones who, Alex Barrett, he's, he's out with a, a back injury. If you think about it, pray for him. He needs to get on a plane tomorrow. But he's out today with a back injury. But we're, we're going to be sharing the primary speaking load at both campuses. So I'm going to be in Alhambra one week. If I'm in Alhambra, he's going to be in Diamond Bar, and then vice versa. I'm, we're going to be working on the, the messages together. It's going to be the same basic content and focus. He's going to do it his way. I'm going to do it my way. And, uh, but for the most part, it's going to be the same passage, same thing we're looking at. Um, we're not planning to use video or some kind of simulcast uh, of the message although we may use video from time to time. Uh, but that's, that's the way it's going to work. For the first four weeks, I'm going to be in Alhambra. Alex is going to be here. And uh, then we're going to switch. He's going to be there for three weeks. Uh, I'm going to be back here for uh, Easter. And then we don't know after that. But anyway, that's, that's the next month or so. We've, we've been working on this, this uh, complex situation. So it's not that hard, really. We just decide, okay, you're going here, I'm going there. Yeah, it's not, I don't want to make it sound like we're really, really pulling hard on this. Gee, who's... <laughs> um, but since his family's coming here, we thought it'd be good for him to be here on Easter. That's, that's all the thought it took right there. Um, today is really a great opportunity... Uh, to celebrate together what God is doing among us. We're, we're stretching to launch this campus because of what we're talking about today. We sense God's direction to do it, but it's really what we're all about. I'd like to review last week's message briefly before we launch into this, the passage we're looking at today. Um, in, in this series, we, we've been looking at statements Jesus made to clarify what it means to follow him. This is important to know because there's a lot of false information about that that goes around about Jesus himself and what it means to follow him. So we've been looking at it because it's very, very important to understand what he said and what it actually means to follow him. Uh, last week, we looked at how his disciples, they kept getting into arguments over who was going to be the greatest in his kingdom because they were expecting Jesus to set up kingdom, overthrow Rome, set up a kingdom, be the king. The, the Israelites, the Jewish folks had been looking for this for, for centuries. They'd been waiting for a king to come. He was the king. They had figured that out. And they were expecting him to come set up an earthly kingdom. So they kept getting into arguments about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And, and when they did that, several times Jesus pulled them together. So they called them to him. And this is what he said. He said, here it says he sat down. That's actually a, a, a posture of authority. So he sat down, he called the 12 to him, and he said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last. 
He must be last of all and servant of all. That is greatness in, in Jesus' kingdom right there. That's what it means to be great. We all want to be significant. We get in a group of people, and our native tendency is to be number one, to push ourselves to the top, to be the, the one that's getting all the attention. Jesus says, here's the greatest in my kingdom. You take last place and you serve. You, you may have the top position in that group. But you, in that position, you take last place. You take a mentally, mental approach. You put yourself under everybody else, and you use any authority that you have to serve the people around you. That, that's what it means to be great. You don't use authority and power and influence for yourself. You use it for the people around you. That's greatness. That is true significance in the kingdom of God. You take last place and you use all your resources to serve the people around you. This is what Jesus did. And this is what he asked his followers to do. He commands his followers to do. Take last place and serve. The most significant is the one who serves. Now, we all have circles that we run in, that we relate to in life. We have a family circle we have a circle of friends, we have a, a circle at church, and another one at work, and so on. We have circles of people that we run on. If you're a follower of Christ, what Jesus is saying here, it's important to know that God puts you in these circles for a reason, for a purpose. He, he's decided you're a member of your family. He's, he's put you at, at your school, at your work. He's put you in your neighborhood. Wherever it is, he's put you there for a reason. And one picture of why he's put us there is we're ambassadors. Just like we have ambassadors in other countries who represent the United States. We're in our circles to represent the one we follow. That's, that's why we're there. We represent Jesus, and we want to give people a, a taste of what his kingdom is all about. So in those circles, if we want to represent him well, we take last place and serve. No matter what position in that group you find yourself in, you take last place and you serve. So last week and this week, they're, they're interlocked. And what I talked about last week, that's why I'm taking a little time to look at it. They're at the heart of what it takes to accomplish our mission as a congregation. We, we take last place, we serve, which builds bridges to the hearts of people. That's how we connect with people. We, we take last place, we put ourselves, we humbly do what Jesus did. We put ourselves under those around us considering them as better themselves. We know they're not. Jesus, everybody's equal in the eyes of God, but we consider, there's a passage that says, we consider others better than ourselves, and we serve. We set out to meet their needs. That builds bridges to the hearts of folks. And then we're to share. We're to communicate Jesus' core message of how you can connect with God. That's our role. We're to, to communicate the core message and invite our friends and family 
to follow him as well. That's, that's what life's all about. Right there, if you're following Christ, that's, that's at the very heart of how we live with purpose to accomplish what he wants to do through us. It's interesting. We're going to go back today to the first four followers that Jesus called. The, the first four that he asked to follow him were fishermen. So we're going to look at that. It's in Mark 1, 16 through 20. Jesus' followers learn how to bring others along. This is, this is what it's all about. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat, mending their nets, and immediately called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and hired servants and followed him. Now, they, they knew of Jesus. This wasn't like a cold call where Jesus went and said, hey, follow me. And they're like, okay, boom, you know, I'll go. It, the, he, they knew of him. They already knew something about him. But what he says to them is important, and it gives us a clue as to what we're to do as followers. He says, I will make you become fishers of men. Now, he's not putting people, what he means by that is, I'm going to help you learn how to invite your friends and family to follow me as well. Follow me, and I'm going to teach you how to invite others to follow me and help them decide to follow me as well. It's, it's their decision, but I'm going to help. He doesn't put people on the same level of fish. That's not what he's doing. But he's giving them a purpose, their purpose for living. He's equating it with something they've been doing because fishing for them is the way they earned their dollars. I mean, this is how they made their money. This was their occupation. They were fishermen. That's how they earned the money that would allow them to live. Fishing is a load of fun. Yeah, I do fishing for fun. It's a thrill, okay, when you, when you make a big catch. I went fishing in the San Francisco Bay one time with my father-in-law, and he used to do this once a month, and he gave me his spot, you know, where he usually, because, you know, all the guys, they would go as a group, and they all had their spots. He gave up his spot, and I pulled in the biggest salmon that day. It was awesome. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun, you know, just, you know, everybody's like, ah, you know, watch it. It, it, it is a thrill to pull in a big fish. So that's part of why Jesus used that analogy because it's nothing. Pulling in a big fish in the San Francisco Bay is nothing like helping somebody cross the line of faith to decide to follow Jesus with you. Nothing like it. It's exponentially more meaningful and more thrilling than pulling a fish out of the sea or whatever. Here's the reason, because their eternal destiny has been changed. When they turn around from going their own way, when you turn around from going your own way to decide to follow Christ, your destiny has changed in that moment. That is a thrill. Now, th these men, these four guys, their occupation was fishing, and so... He asked them to drop their nets. He doesn't ask all of us to drop our nets, so to speak, and change careers. That's, 
There's actually nothing more inherently holy about doing church work like I do and your work in the marketplace. We do it all to the glory of God. It's all something he wants done. And so Jesus doesn't call all of his followers to drop their nets, so to speak, to follow him. All legitimate work honors God. But Jesus does expect his followers to change what we orient our lives around. Sometimes we get caught up and we orient our lives around earning dollars. Jesus wants us to orient our our lives around destinies. The destinies of our family and friends who don't yet know him. So God puts us in our circle at work, in our family, in our neighborhood, wherever it is, at school. And he wants us to take last place. He wants us to serve. And then he also wants us to invite others to follow with us in a gracious way that lacks annoyance and is not obnoxious. The focus is no longer on earning dollars, although it's great if you earn a lot of dollars. I I think that's fantastic. Earn as many dollars as you can. But orient your life around the destinies of the people around you, your own and those around you. To follow Jesus, you make a shift from focusing on dollars to destinies. At work and in every circle you're in, it's way more exciting than pulling in a big fish. If, if you read through Mark, you can see that Jesus, Jesus said, I will make you become fishers of men. And you can see how he demonstrated the way to do that. And so we're going to look at a, a couple of just, I'm going to summarize um, and look at a couple of scenes from the rest of Mark, three of them particularly, that show us how to bring our family and friends along. First thing, give your time. Jesus was constantly being criticized for hanging around the wrong circles. You know, we all have our circles, and we have, you know, circles of people that we, we shouldn't hang around with. Well, Jesus was always in the circles that, that brought a lot of criticism from the religious leaders of his day. Um, according to them, he shouldn't be hanging out in those circles. In Mark 2.17, it, it says that, uh, he was being criticized, actually in the verses right before this, he was being criticized for hanging out with publicans and sinners and tax collectors. Jewish folks hated those guys. So the religious leaders were, were all in on his case for hanging out with them. And when Jesus heard that he was being criticized, this way he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus invested his time in, with those who needed him. That's what he's saying. And, and he invested his time with those who were willing to admit they needed him. Those who weren't pretending that they didn't need him. The religious leaders, for instance. You, you find out from listening to Jesus that those with the most severe spiritual sicknesses are those who pretend this way, pretend to not need him. Jesus gives his time to those 
who need him and admit it. That's who he hung out with. The religious leaders, they were self-righteous. They were hypocritical. They were condemning. They wrote people off. They were judge, jury, and trial right there on the, the worthiness of the people around them. Jesus didn't hang out with those folks. Because it's not as important to him where you are when you meet him. He, 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 it's not as important to Jesus what's going on in your life when you meet him. What's important to him is how do you respond to him once you do? Do you decide to follow him? Do you investigate? Do you get your questions answered? Do you work through this to the point where you, you decide to follow him? That's what's important to Jesus. And he wants to work with you to do that. And that's what he uses. The church, one of the pictures of the church and the Bible is we're the body of Christ. He works through us to reach to other folks and he wants us to help them decide to follow him. He doesn't, he, he's not that concerned where you are when he meets you. He's concerned about you turning and walking with him from that point forward. That's the way Jesus is. He's very accepting, very gracious, very kind, and he wants to help us. We have to admit that we need him for him to work because the way it is, Jesus gives the truth. He lays out the truth of how to connect with God, our, our, the way our lifestyles uh, uh, please or don't please him. He, he lays out the truth, but we have to accept the diagnosis. It's kind of like going to the doctor. You know, guys are notorious, go to the doctor, the doctor gives them, you know, Hey, this is the problem. This is what you need to do to fix it. And you ignore the doctor. You, know, you, don't, you, you have a diagnosis. You have some steps to take, but you don't take it. Jesus does the same thing. He lays out the truth. He lays out the diagnosis. But we have to like accept it and then decide to do something about it. Jesus doesn't care if we've been rebellious. He doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what well, does matter to him. Okay, I take that back. But he's not as concerned about that as he is deciding to change your orientation to living life for him now, not for myself. That's what's important to him. This is where, if, if we're trying to help people connect with Christ, this is where last week's message interlocks with this one. When you take last place and serve, you're making an investment in people who are very significant to God. In his eyes, everybody matters. Whether they're, they're walking with God, his direction, whether they're rebelling against him, everybody matters. And the investment that we make as a part of his body builds bridges and gives an opportunity to influence people for eternity. People are eternal. They, they're going to live forever. So we invest in them, and then we invite them to follow as well. People are going to live in one of two places for eternity, in the presence of God or separated from him, which is torment. That's going to be torment. So our role is not to hang out with a holy huddle or who we consider a holy huddle. Some may be holier than others. Jesus doesn't want us to spend time. That's not where he spent his time with the holy huddle with the people from church or somewhere else, 
that, that consider themselves holy, or he doesn't want to spend all our time in a family huddle. He, it's clear that he wants his followers, if you're one of his followers, he wants us to invest in our friends and family by serving them and inviting them to follow him as well. major way we do this is to tell what Jesus has done for us. After freeing a man who was tormented by a spirit, Jesus said this, he did not permit him, uh, the man wanted to stay with Jesus, to stay connected to him, follow him around, he didn't let him do that. But he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. This is typical. Jesus would do this. He'd, he would help someone. He would serve them. He'd meet a need. He'd heal them. <clears throat> he would help them in some way. And, and then he would tell them to go tell others what's happened to you. And this is, this is our role as followers. Our, our message, it's not intuitive. It's not something that people can just figure out. It's not written in the stars. Or it's not something that we, we just figure out by contemplating what life is all about. It has to be shared. This message that we have has to be communicated with the people around us. So Jesus gave that role to us. We tell others what Jesus has done for us and what he's done for everyone in dying on the cross. The message makes sense, but it's, it's, it has to be shared because it's not something you can figure out on your own. Here's the message in a nutshell. We've sinned. Our sin puts us in debt to God. Jesus paid our debt on the cross by dying. He's our substitute. He died for our sins in our place. When a person puts their faith in him and trusts him with their life, they're forgiven. That, that's the core message. That's what we've got to learn to communicate. And here's what we can do. Identify with Christ, with our friend, family and friends. Let them know that we're a follower. It doesn't have to be obnoxious or annoying. Just let them know. We, we don't want to be ashamed of him. Identify. And then testify. Tell others what Jesus has done for you, the changes he's making, what he's doing in your life right now, how he's taking care of you. And then clarify. Learn to communicate the core message, the message of Christianity clearly. Learn to communicate that because you don't, you don't just figure it out on your own. When Jesus called those first four guys, he told them he, he, told them he would make them become fishers of men. He was teaching them how to do that. Over the next three years, he equipped them to do just that. After he died and was raised and went to heaven, ascended to heaven, they, they did what he told them to do. They invited others to follow him. And many, many people, whenever they saw an opportunity, whatever circle they were in, when there was a crowd gathered, they spoke up, told others about Jesus, and helped those lost to God connect with him and find eternal life. This is what Jesus leads all of his followers to do. And it's in the doing of this that your faith gets strengthened. You get stronger because it's, it's a little scary, you know, to identify or to testify or to clarify who Jesus really is because there's so much false information. It gets a little scary to do that. And when you get past the fear 
to share Christ, and you watch him begin to work in somebody else's life, your faith is strengthened. When, you get in, when you're getting the answers yourself to the questions that people have, your faith is strengthened. So this is what Jesus leads us to do. It's a pretty core part of what we're all about as a congregation, and it's important to learn how to partner with him to do that. To, to accomplish that, we have to get past ourselves and obey him. At the very end of Mark, I'm going to wrap up with this. At the very end of Mark, Jesus gives one big, gigantic objective to the, the, the followers who were there listening to him, including us. This is for us. Mark 16, 15 through 16, he says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, this is a gigantic objective. Those, those folks in Jerusalem at the time were to scatter through the entire world to help them hear the message and be able to decide to follow Jesus Christ as well. That's a major challenge, and that's what we're all about as well. Now, we need to read this carefully to understand that Jesus isn't connecting baptism to our eternal destiny. From, you know, he's not connecting it to something that we have to do to earn God's forgiveness. Jesus is saying that we, we should be baptized after committing your life to follow him. And in saying this, he assumed that under normal circumstances, each believer would be baptized. But it's clear that he's not saying if, if, if you believe and you haven't had a chance to be baptized, that's it. Too late. That, that's really not what he's saying. Uh, refusing to believe. If you look at the last part of that passage... Refusing to believe, refusing to entrust your entire life to Jesus and begin to live his way, that's the kind of faith it takes to, to find salvation. That brings condemnation, not missing a baptism. It's clear in the Bible that no religious activity earns your salvation at all, but it's complete faith. And what Jesus has done as our substitute on the cross. Baptism is important. It's a matter of obedience. He wants everyone who's decided to follow him to be baptized. And to be baptized, we have to get past ourselves because it's, it's a little scary itself. I wanted to mention this just so we didn't equate his words with get and a misunderstanding of what he was saying. And we, we'll have a baptism coming up at both campuses in the next few months. And if you haven't been baptized since you've decided to follow Christ, it's an important step of obedience. You have to get past yourself to, to do that. And I want to encourage you to do it because it's a real opportunity to identify with Christ and his, his people. It's a very important step to take. At the end of Mark here, Jesus gives the major objective for every follower of Christ to go into the, the entire world and share the message of who he is. Every one of us has a role to play in this, in our circles of relationships, to invest in our family and friends, and to invite them to follow Jesus as well. We take last place and serve, and then we share, graciously communicating the message to identify Christ. Now, often, when we have something important to say, what happens? 
I don't know about you, I get a knot in my stomach, a lump in my throat, like a marriage proposal. We won't go into my marriage proposal, I sort of wimped out, but um, I still kind of got nervous when I even mentioned the idea of getting married. Um, I sort of mentioned it slyly, but I, I still had a knot in my stomach because I wasn't quite sure how this was going to go over. In other words, guys, don't, don't take after me in that, that area at all. But anyway, when we have something important we're about to say and we don't know how it's going to go, we get a knot in our stomach, a lump in our throat, like a marriage speech in communication class or a big presentation that needs to go really well with the people. We get, we get you know, nervous. We have to get past the knot in our stomach, the lump in our throat, and just say it. And, and that's what it takes to communicate the message that we have to share. It, it, we get a knot in our stomach, a lump in our throat every time. Been doing this for years. Every time. I've got to get past myself and obey what Jesus wants me to do in sharing. And when I do, I'm putting myself right where God wants me because I have to trust him to help me. I have to exercise faith in that moment to stretch and get past the lump of my throat to say what I want to say. And it's thrilling when God uses me to communicate clearly who he is and what it takes to follow Christ. And then someone decides to follow him as well. Oh, way better than pulling in a big, a big fish. Way better. This is why we exist as a church. This is why we're adding a campus in Alhambra so that we can include more of our family and friends in the congregation who don't yet know him. As the band comes up, I'd like you to consider your next steps. Uh, if you'd pull out your connection card again and look at that on the back, there's some next steps that you can take. Uh, I'd like to ask you if you would to finish completing any information that you haven't had an opportunity to complete or let us know that you're going to take some of these next steps. Um, we have the grand opening in Alhambra on February 17th. Uh, we're going to have a, you know, a lot going on there. Uh, and then we have here at, at both campuses, we're starting a message series called Love in High Definition. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to dig into the definition of love, and, uh, God's kind of love and how that applies to our relationship should be a very, very helpful uh, passage to be digging into. So this would be something great to invite your friends and family to. This is one of the first things you can do to invite people to follow is bring them somewhere where they're going to hear the message of Christ and Christianity. And so I want to give you an opportunity to, to let us know that you're going to invite your friends and family uh, to church on February 17th. We'll pray with you if you let us know, if you write down their names. Uh, we'll pray with you, and uh, you can intend to invite them. Maybe you're ready for the first time to accept Christ as your Savior and decide to follow Him as Lord. That's another step you can take. Let us know as well. And then if you want to join a life group, just put the number and the night that it meets on, uh, and that, that would be great as well. There's some other things you can do if you haven't had a chance to, to let us know about that step. Really glad that you've joined us this morning. Um, I'd like to invite the members to come up and sign. This is our covenant. This is the, the statement on this sheet, if I can get around without falling off. And it says, 
I hereby commit myself to the mission, vision, and values of Church in the Valley. Specifically, I commit myself to do my part as a participating member by. And then there's seven hard attitudes that we commit to. They're right out of Scripture. They provide the framework for relationships in our circles, especially here at church and then all, all of our circles, to really thrive. And so we commit to these things, putting the success of others above my own uh, within scriptural limits, clearing up relationships, uh, clearing up broken relationships with others, living an honest and open life before others, giving and receiving scriptural correction, participating in the ministry, supporting the work of the ministry financially, and then following spiritual authority within limits. So uh, if you haven't had an opportunity to sign, please come up and uh, sign if you're a member, and that'd be great. Let's pray before we continue. Father, we thank you for your word this morning that gives so much direction. And I pray that as we look at what it means to follow, that you would really give us all the energy and help we need to take those next steps that you've laid on our heart to take. That we might please you, that we might honor you, that we might serve you well and represent you well in the circles in which you've put us. God, thank you for your kindness. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.